Fintech Insider interviews. My name is Simon Taylor, and today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Valentin Stauff, the co-founder and CEO of N26, Germany's hottest digital bank. We interviewed Valentin way back in October of last year, uh, it was episode 12 during our trip to Berlin. Since then, Valentin was named one of the 100 most influential fintech leaders in 2016 by Hot Topic, and we're partnering with Hot Topic on a series of influencer interviews. And we jumped to the chance to talk to Valentin again. So we hope you enjoy the interview. Great. So I'm here with Valentin. And Valentin, you're the CEO of a bank, uh, granted a very cool digital bank. Did you imagine you'd be heading up a financial institution when you were a kid? Or what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Your career development in general, uh, I think, is, 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 has different parts. I think when I was at university, I haven't been the big entrepreneur. I've always been... Uh, I started accounting and finance, a very traditional business school. And then at one point I said, okay, I want to do something that is that is much more where I can have an impact, where I can be an entrepreneur, where I can, where I can, where I can do things. And so I wasn't happy to join investment banks or, um, or, or consulting companies. And that was, that was when I figured out that I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to found a company. And then um, I just realized that there is a big opportunity in retail banking um, and especially in digitalization of retail banking and offering better products because most of the products uh, that you have out there, especially in, in the retail banking side in Europe, uh, are not so great. And uh, that's when we, when I figured out maybe it's, it's an industry that you can change something in and that you can disrupt. And that's when we decided to found N26. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about N26. Why is it different? Um, what, and what inspired you, I think, uh, to, to make it uh, digital only? Uh, and tell us a little bit about uh, how well you're doing. Are you growing customers? How many countries are you in? That sort of thing. At N26, I think we have founded or we've built the mobile bank in Europe for over the last couple of years. So we 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 are we existing since about we founded the company four years ago, but we launched our product two years ago. We have over three hundred thousand customers to date, and we've just recently launched in in uh, fifteen more countries in Europe. So altogether, we are in seventeen countries now. And I I think if you if you think about what we're doing and what we're changing, is I think what you have seen in retail banking is that the customer behavior has changed fundamentally over the last years. So people don't go into bank branches anymore. They do banking online or uh, more and more. And I think the majority, especially in our target group, does it uh, mobile. Um, so what we said is actually you can, you can build a bank where the customers will not be missing any features that is completely existing on your mobile phone. And that's what we did. So we, we founded the bank completely on the mobile phone. We based our business model on, on a couple of principles because you don't have branches. You obviously have a much, much lower cost base. On the other hand, we are digital companies. So we can grant a, a much better user experience. And, um, and, and I think that paired together with uh, uh, something that we launch all across Europe, just not in one country only, I think is, is granting us massive uh, uh, advantages in terms of scale. And uh, that's what we're working on right now. Fantastic. And speaking of launching in lots of countries, we recently announced that you have 10,000 customers in Ireland. Um, are you planning to come to the UK anytime soon? 
Yeah, I think uh, the UK is also on our roadmap. Uh, I think for early next year, um, and uh, and we we currently uh, figuring out what's the fastest way to launch in the UK. But as you know, in the UK, you have to connect to a, a couple of local payment schemes and payment partners, and it takes some time. Yeah, there's there's some interesting developments on that front with the launch of uh, ClearBank, who who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, interesting times and interesting timing. Uh, so. You've uh, had a, a couple of uh, challenges along the way, I think, like any young organization. You've been very open about the ATM charges your customers were incurring, and you also had some cyber security issues that were well publicized. Um, these are tough challenges. How are you weathering those, and, and uh, where are you guys at now? Yeah, I think if, you, if you're referring to especially the challenges that we have been facing uh, over, over the last uh, year, I think all the challenges are, are moments to learn from. Uh, and I think, um, especially on the security side, I think what you have to realize as any bank on, on the market, you can be very secure, but you always have to work on your security system. And I think that's what we are doing. So um, currently, um, and I think it's one of the top priorities within our company, we try to be kind of the market leader in terms of security for retail banking. So we've launched our own back bounty programs, so a program where you kind of crowdsource also security advice. Um, so everybody out there who is a developer who, who has who has time and, and interest to try to hack our system can, can try to do that. And if he finds any vulnerabilities, he can send it to us and will be rewarded. So I think um, if you think about security, I think the most important thing is that you have to realize it's an ongoing topic and you have to build the structure. And the structure with us is on, on the first hand, we have our own security team in-house then we obviously work on a regular basis with like experts, hackers uh, that we pay for to, to break into our systems. And the third thing is you, do, you need to do something to leverage the crowd. And uh, that's the three things that we have done, uh, especially over, over the last half year where we have invested a lot of uh, uh, manpower in, a lot of thought in. And I think we today um, um, in, in a very, very good state. If you think about the transparency uh, towards customers and especially the fair use policy that we've introduced uh, uh, a couple of, uh, I think about a year back, I think when we introduced the fair use policy that was very important for our company because it was something in the beginning when we founded the company, obviously we didn't know exactly how customers will use our product. What we figured out in the end was that a couple of people use our product excessively. So they go through the ATM uh, 30 or 40 times a month. And uh, to have a sustainable product in the long run, and that's also something you have to learn as a young company, you have to introduce some boundaries in, in terms of usage. And that's why we introduced the fair use policy. But I think what we tried to do be very transparent and the feedback we got from our customers was actually very good. No, there's something to be said about that transparency. I mean, we saw in the UK that a lot of this, uh, a lot of the banks had issues with their payment service provider and payments were down and, and they, they sort of did some transparency, whereas you see uh, they, they really treated that with uh, openness and transparency towards their customers and, and wore the decision on their sleeves. What's interesting is when a, a larger bank has similar cybersecurity issues, it's it's kind of they, they put out a press release, they keep their distance from it, um, and people tend to expect it of the big boys. But when it happens to somebody smaller, it seems to get more press. So it's it's interesting that the difference in approach and uh, difference that the customers feel when somebody's being being honest and insightful with them. Um, I don't know if you know, but we've actually developed a competitor insights research platform we call 11FS Pulse, uh, and we have the video of your onboarding journey, uh, and it's actually the most viewed video on on our platform how important has digital onboarding been for you are, are you happy with that digital onboarding could you do it better um and, and what's really the the plans for digital onboarding does it give you a competitive advantage 
So I think digital onboarding is is obviously obviously one of the that has been traditionally one of the uh, one of the big barriers for I would say um online and 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 mobile banks because traditionally you had to go in the, into a post office and verify yourself personally and because there has been a regulatory change over the last years that enables us to do video verification um, this is obviously a big big advantage for us now to grow and and takes out the friction of opening an N26 account. I think we've created a, a sensational experience. I think our team has created a sensational experience in terms of onboarding. We have just recently also updated uh, our sign-up one more time in terms of that we've published a, a completely new sign-up flow from the technical side. I think it's it's something you have to work on continuously. And uh, when, I, when I look at the, at the sign-up flow that we're having, obviously it's, it's, it's one of the moments of, of delight, I think, that we, and one of the first moments of delight that we that we bring to our customers when they open our account. So I think it's, it's really one thing that a lot of customers are really surprised that you can open a bank account within six minutes, completely fully verified, and you don't have to do any verification afterwards again. Um, and I think it has been key to our success. But I think it's just one driver of what we're trying to build. I think it's the first experience that you have when you sign up to our account. But I think this experience is, is something that we, we try to build for every product and everything we're launching within N26, be it a credit product, be it a savings product, or uh, be it any, any other banking product that we're launching on our platform. Makes total sense. I mean, that first experience is so, so important. And if you don't get that right, the drop-off rates can be phenomenal for people. Uh, that, that truly digital experience, I think, is something that a lot of banks have, have tried and failed at because they thought it couldn't be done. And there's definitely something about you, the use of video in there that's really unique. Um, we've all been very impressed at 11FS about how you guys uh, were able to achieve that. And a lot of banks talk about being able to acquire customers and digitally acquire customers, and then they send them to a branch and there's a big break in the journey there. Uh, it's a real competitive advantage if you can, if you can get that right. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. Okay, so um, as we get ever closer to PSD2, the Payment Service Directive, um, do you think you're well-placed to take advantage of um, more and more APIs from banks that may be less digital than yourself? Um, because obviously you guys were the, one of the first, if not the first, to integrate TransferWise. It seems like APIs um, and integration is something you're open to. But as the rest of the market does it, what are your views on, on that? So I think what you need to be as, as the bank of the future, what we try to be, um, is you have to be the place that, that uh, or the app that customers open when they think about any financial problem. 
And uh, in the end, for us, it's not so important if they if the customers have our account and maybe have an uh, additional account with any of the traditional banks, especially because of PSC2, um, it's, it's much, much easier to, to kind of integrate all the data into one app in one place. I think it's still very important that we have our own banking license and we have a banking relation with our customer. But if you think about N26 in a year or two years from now, I think the big vision that we're working on is that if you have a financial problem, you should open N26 and you should find the best solutions for anything you want to do, be it a savings decision, be it a, an investment decision, be it a transfer. In the end, it doesn't matter if, if the 10,000 euros that you want to invest into a savings product are still with your Deutsche Bank or Barclays account. Uh, it just matters whether you take the decisions and will you open the N26 app to take the decision. If we, in the end, get the money from your Deutsche Bank account and invest it in the product uh, that, that we have offered on our platform, I think that's what we would like to do. And uh, so I think PSC2 is a big, big opportunity for us. And especially if you have the best product or one of the best products, what I believe, on the market in, in, in terms of user experience, and it's always good if, if friction moves away. And uh, I think that's 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 a big opportunity for us in PSD2. That makes total sense. And, and if you were in a larger organization, perhaps one of the incumbents, what would you be thinking about PSD2? What would you do with it if you didn't have all the advantages of being a small company, but you had some of the advantages of being uh, a large company with lots of customers? Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think the first thing that the big banks to think about is their user experience. I think it doesn't even have to do so much with PSD2 or not PSD2. I think they should just figure out, be much closer to the customers and work on their needs. Because what PSD2 is doing is that people are, are much, much more likely to switch banks and use other platforms to get the best products. And if you look at the profitability of banks especially the, the bigger banks and, and the cost structures, I mean, if they don't provide the right products to the customers, they will just simply switch and use other apps or platforms uh, to take their financial decisions. And I think you have to be very, very close to your customers, understand what they need and, uh, and, and offer them the right products. And I think PSD2 is just one thing that is kind of accelerating the process of, of customers switching and, and, and moving to, to new offers and, 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 and new solutions to find the right product. No, that makes a lot of sense. Customer choice is is kind of a, a really strong thing. If you can build in the right experience too, you're hitting the, the kind of the sweet spot. But on the PSD2 front, do you, or even the API front, do you guys have any plans to launch public APIs of your own? Or is that something that very much you see yourselves integrating into others? I mean, um, we always think about um, um, APIs that we launch to others. I think especially if you think about um, we've just launched a credit product, uh, and uh, and with this credit product, we have in the journey. The journey is always completely with N26, but throughout the journey, at one point, we decide if we have the risk appetite to take your credit on our balance sheet, or if we do it together with a peer-to-peer -peer credit platform. So, if you think that through the whole idea of of a customer having a, a front-end journey that is always the same, but in the end, the partners who are fueling the credit are different partners, then I think the idea of, in, in, in a couple of years from now, of having an API where different companies, be it insurance companies that have a lot of cash, be it um, um, traditional banks, have access to that API and, and can, can give an offer through the API on a certain uh, consumer that would like to have a credit with a, with a very attractive rate, I think that's something definitely that we, we're going to move towards to. This makes total sense. Um, and then you said recently that you should invest you know, 90% into user experience and 10% uh, or less on marketing. Do you still agree with that? I think given what you said a moment ago, it, it feels about uh, that, that you probably say it's even higher, 95.5 maybe. Would, 
Where do you stand on that still? Yeah, I think it's, it's still the most important investment that we do is in our product and the user journeys and, you know, working on our referral programs, everything what is integrated with our product, creating the moments of delight, making our customers our strongest ambassadors and our strongest kind of employees in terms of marketing are kind of our customers, I would say. And I, I think uh, that's still our philosophy. And obviously, it's also important if you want to build... Uh, the mobile bank in Europe that you you have to create a brand and it doesn't mean that you don't invest in branding and you don't invest in building a brand but I think when you compare traditional companies I think really the focus needs to be on creating a great product and a great product just just sells much better than than a product that is not great where you put a put a lot of uh, marketing budget in yeah there's we see the traditional uh, kind of method was um, get a product to market and getting it out was the victory and then going above the line um, would return uh, a certain number of uh, people who would take the products but actually those people were the salmon who managed to get through a bad experience and actually perhaps inverting that and spending less on getting people to look at your products and more on converting the people who happen to come across it and want it is creates a different level of relationship. Alrighty Valentine, I'm just going to finish off with a couple of questions we ask everybody because uh, we, we, uh, we really like to learn from successful entrepreneurs and uh, especially people in fintech, uh, especially now Hot Topic named you one of the 100 fintech influencers to watch. You're a busy guy. How do you get everything done? And what's your number one productivity hack? So I think uh, it's a very, very good question. I think the first and the most important thing is to get your emails under control. I mean, we use uh, Gmail within our company. So you have a good tagging system. You have to learn all the shortcuts to be fast in answering your emails and then uh, putting them in the right tags and folders. I think that's one one of the the most important things. Um, it always you have to do that. I think uh, on a regular basis you have to update your systems there um, and and stay up to date with the inbox. I think that's one thing. And then the other thing that is I think very important is that you put fixed times into your calendar for uh, certain things you want to do. Um, it's it's also not that I'm the the best one in doing that, but what I would recommend to everyone who has a, has a busy schedule is not uh, letting the, the schedule be dictated from the people that put your appointments in, but really being being the master of your own schedule and put the things in that are important for you. That's a, a very good tip. And last but not least, um, what rule do you live your life by if there is one? So I think in general, you need to you need to enjoy what you're doing and you need to be always focused on kind of how, how much is your personal development in terms of are you learning what, by what you're doing or is it is like the learning curve not so steep? Yeah? And I think uh, that's what I've, I've, I've tried to build my life on all the time when I choose uh, job opportunities, when I also when I'm interviewing people, I, I think I'm always looking at are people really accelerating their skills and, and do they try to be the best in what they're doing? And I think that's that can be on on a on a business level, but that can be also uh, more on on a, on a private level. Is is the things that you're doing are the things where you think you you accelerate the things you like to do? And uh, um, I think that's that's how you should live your life, and uh, and you should live your business life, and you should have fun by uh, while while what you're doing, what you're creating. That's fantastic top tips, I think, for life there. Uh, Valentin, thank you very much for being on Fintech Insider Interviews with us this week. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to our podcast. Of course, if you like what you've heard, subscribe to our podcast and please take a moment to review us on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast. Valentin, thank you for being with us on Fintech Insider. Simon, thank you very much for having me and uh, it was a pleasure to see you.